Happy Tuesday morning and wishing you and your digestive tracts the best of luck this holiday season. According to a 35,000-person survey from Biome, a gut health company, roughly 73% of people in Vermont have complaints of gassiness, making it the most bloated state. In Nevada, the state with the second highest volume of GI complaints, that figure was 45%. Those numbers probably aren't helped by all the holiday merriment feasting in the coming weeks. This is Pulse Check. I'm Katherine Ellen Foley. Yesterday, the White House announced a $1.2 billion initiative to promote more involvement from women, minorities, and other underrepresented researchers in science, technology, math, and medicine at its first-ever summit on equity and excellence in STEM. This matters because a recent study published in the journal eLife found that minority researchers get fewer National Science Foundation grants than their white peers. The disparity in grant awards has been reflected among other federal research funding groups, including the National Institutes of Health, in previous years. The Supreme Court has denied a request from R.J. Reynolds and other players in the tobacco industry to issue an emergency injunction that would stop California's ban on flavored tobacco products from going into effect. The court's denial means that the state ban on flavored tobacco products will start no later than December 21st. And my colleague Megan Messerly is here with me today to talk about her recent reporting looking at the grim situation in hospitals across the country as COVID, RSV, and flu cases rise. Hey, Megan, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. According to the CDC, nearly 30,000 people currently in the hospital have tested positive for COVID-19, up 30% since Thanksgiving. Which states are the hardest hit right now? You know, New York... New Mexico, Arizona, some parts of Southern California. But we've really seen across the country over the last week, state health officials have really been sounding the alarm about this, you know, uptick in COVID cases. It's worth noting that, you know, while COVID cases are are climbing, we're not talking about them being anywhere near, uh, you know, where they were during last winter's surge. But the problem right now is that we've seen RSV and flu hit pretty early and hard, and that's been sending lots of people to the hospital. So with RSV, that's mostly children. We've seen pediatric hospitals be overwhelmed. Um, Public health officials, you know, believe we may be, um, we may have already hit our peak for RSV. Obviously, that means it's still, still a problem, but hopefully getting better. And then with flu, it's really been, you know, both the child and the elderly populations that get really hit hard by flu. So the problem isn't so much, you know, just COVID like it has been the last two years, but it's really COVID layered on top of these two other respiratory viruses, which are posing significant challenges for our country's healthcare system and really threatens to put even more pressure on them, you know, after the holidays, after people gather with their family and potentially contract more respiratory viruses. I'm wondering if you can put this into context for us, you know, looking back at the last two years or even before we had COVID-19 vaccines and COVID hospitalizations were so high. How does it compare now to it did back a couple of years? I think the best way of sort of explaining this is putting it in the terms that public health 
expert sort of shared with me, which is, you know, if this were any other, you know, respiratory virus winter season, you know, prior to COVID-19, like this would be a really bad year. Like hospitals are in a really bad position. This sort of trifecta of viruses is, is really not good. It's a terrible situation. Many of them use the word terrible when I was talking to them. But in context to what we've seen the last two years with COVID, I mean, it's not as bad. Again, you have to put it in context, like the last two winters were extremely, extremely bad. Um, and so things, even though things are not good right now by any stretch of the ma- imagination, you know, folks were saying like, I, I'm feeling more optimistic about this winter compared to the last two, just because again, of how bad um, those two were, but it's really all, it's really all comparison, right? You know, that's why they're still urging people, you know, to be careful, take precautions, because this is a really serious situation, even though folks go online and look at the the COVID case graphs, percentages are increasing a lot. If you look at sort of like the day over day percentage increases, that's increasing a lot. But if you if you look at the lines, like it's nowhere near as high as it was last winter with Omicron. So people might say, you know, what's what's the big deal? But it's a big deal just because, you know, the last two winters were really, really, really bad. So, you know, saying it's it's now just bad sort of diminishes maybe some of the the direness of the situation for some folks, but it's still not a good situation to be in. We'll be right back. What exactly are states and the Biden administration doing to support hospitals right now? Yeah, so a lot of um, governors, several governors have either been um, like adding RSV and flu to their existing COVID-19 like emergency declarations or emergency orders or have been extending orders that those viruses were already added to. And that's really just to help hospitals deal with some of these increases in, in caseloads that they're seeing, you know, allows them more flexibility around staffing rules. But I'd say the big overarching message from states and the federal government is just telling people to get vaccinated. The Biden administration announced somewhat recently this, you know, six week vaccination push heading into the holidays. You know, their big message has been, you know, we have the tools to combat both flu and COVID. You know, we have vaccinations for both of those. The flu vaccine this year, um, everyone says it's a really good match for the flu that's actually circulating. You know, some years we have not as good of a match. This year is a good match. They're saying, you know, we have the tools to be able to combat these two viruses. So we should be taking, you know, all the steps we can to do that as the general public. And so, Megan, I'm wondering, based on your reporting, why aren't people getting vaccinated when we have these tools? So talking to to public health experts, you know, they really believe it's just this, you know, extreme vaccination fatigue. Obviously, we saw that with COVID-19, with people not getting their booster vaccines, for instance. But folks say looking at the flu vaccination rate as well, like it's nowhere near as high as we would like it to be. And so, you know, public health experts are looking at and saying, like, there's just this vaccination fatigue overall. You know, people are are tired of the pandemic. They're they're tired from the last two winters of being told that they can't gather. And so it's just hard to get people to make some of these behavioral modifications that we've seen over the last two years. And that's that's not just with the COVID-19 vaccine, but with flu as well. Well, thanks for breaking all of this down for us, Megan. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. 
Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.